0: How do you talk to your clients about the current market shift? Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM. So once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. And welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Haley Cutter. Before we get to Haley, just a couple of quick reminders. Please, as always, the best way you can help our show is by telling a friend. Think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing the success strategies and tips from top producers like Haley. Send them a link to our our website, right? Which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done can be streamed right from a browser or if the person you're referring to is a podcast listener, have them pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit the subscribe button. And last, please leave us a review. Whatever app you might be listening to this show through, let us know what you think of the show. We read every review and comment and it helps us improve. So anyway, enough of all that. Let's get on to the main event, my conversation with Haley Cutter. show. We have Katie who's a top 1% realtor and founder of Cutter Lux Living with Compass in Massachusetts. Uh, Now, Haley Cutter is the founder of Cutter Lux Living uh, with Compass. After growing up in the Boston area and graduating from Emerson, she began her career working for a top New York City advertising agency, but returned to Boston to get her MBA at Northeastern. Once she graduated, she shifted gears to the real estate industry. In 2014, she co-founded Live in Luxury I'm sorry, Live in Luxury Luxury. Real Estate. (laughs) It probably happens all the time. Uh, But let me start that one part over so I don't screw it up because it is really cool. In 2014, she co-founded Live in Luxury Real Estate at Douglas Elliman. And in 2021, launched Cutter Lux Living at Compass as the sole founder and managing broker, which is now one of Boston's top luxury real estate groups. And in December of last year, Cutter Lux Living had a record-breaking month So not a year, a month with 20 million in closings. Uh, This is absolutely incredible. Cutter Lux Living serves Boston's most exclusive downtown neighborhoods and surrounding communities, all led by Haley's Driving Force for a better client experience. The brokerage is currently expanding also into New Hampshire and Florida. Please, everyone, visit. Uh, visit Haley and her team at CutterLux.com. And that is C-U-T-T-E-R-L-U-X-E.com. Again, CutterLux.com. And by the way, unbelievable realtor website. I'm always impressed whenever I see a really great one. That's a good one. Go check it out. Haley, welcome to our show.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. I am so excited to, to talk with you. I am always... I, you know, I've been doing these sort of conversations for about four or five years now, and I never get tired talking to top producers um, and finding out what it is they've done to get to where they are and what they're continuing to do. And right now, I think it's a particularly interesting time because. So I was with a couple hundred agents um, just a few days ago at at an event with our local association, and you could feel the stress and tension in the room. It's people are, realtors are, are, are it's tough right now. Um, but you guys are crushing it, so I'm excited to hear about what you guys are doing. Um, but I'd love to start at the very beginning and learn more about you because you you didn't, you know, your path didn't necessarily point towards real estate with with your education. So I'm excited to learn how you how you made that transition and why.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, not at all. I I did not grow up thinking that I would ever be in real estate. It was not anything that I dreamed of as a little girl. Um, I went to school. I majored in marketing and advertising, got my undergraduate degree at Emerson, as you had mentioned, in Boston. And then I was off to New York City. I worked for a top agency um, there, Gray Worldwide. and. um, Oh, sure.
0: Great, really, great company.
1: He an um, account management working hand in hand with their Procter & Gebel team, Pantene Pro V. Um, had some great mentors there. Really, really learned a lot. Learned how to interact with different people. Uh, you know, it, it was a great place to be. And I, me being from Boston on the East Coast, Boston's a small city, but if people can after they graduate, I think it's worthwhile for for anybody, even if you're coming back to Boston, to spend a year or two in New York City. It's just such an eye-opening, wonderful global experience.
0: I, I agree. I love both cities. I, and Boston's one that my sister, uh, she, she's a brand manager and, or, or, well, yeah, she, now she, she's a CMO, but she was, uh, work, lived and worked in New York city as well in, in sort of the ad, uh, advertising and marketing space. Um, and so we used to visit there a lot and Boston, I didn't have as many close friends, but, um, I have visited several times in the last five years or six years and boy, it's just such a wonderful city. Um, Boston is, Boston doesn't get its, its, it's due because New York is so close and it gets overshadowed sometimes. But I, God, I love Boston. It's just a walkable, amazing city.
1: You've nailed it, extremely walkable. It's um, got great neighborhoods. They all have their own authentic flair and um, it, it can become home. Whereas sometimes New York might feel too vast, Boston becomes a neighborhood
0: yeah so how did you make the pivot from from uh, from being sort of in in uh, on Madison Avenue maybe down in New York City uh, making the switch back to to uh, or, well not just to Boston but of course to a new career?
1: Sure so I um, I ended up coming back home I, I really I wanted to be closer to my family. There were a few things going on and it was important to me to be here. So when I came back to Boston I tried the advertising route and I found that it just couldn't compare with New York City. So at that point in time, my, um, my fiance, who's now my husband, he was in real estate and I constantly found myself surrounded by him, his friends who were all in real estate. We were talking real estate, you know, every time we went out for dinner, every time we had a cocktail party as we were taking a walk in the park and, and I did enjoy it. And I thought, you know what, if I can't beat them, I'm just going to join them because I was in it.
0: Too and also, I imagine I'm curious because you're really a marketer at heart, um, and, and that was you know your your background, your training as well. I'm curious if you, as it, um, my background is, is is the same, and um, I'm curious if you ever looked at some of the marketing and the branding that was happening, the advertising in real estate uh, in the realtor world, for example, and thinking I could do a better job of that, oh, or I good. could. there's lots of room for improvement, I think. Right.
1: And we're going back to, to, you know, 2008, 2009 and all these great um, tools and apps that we have now, where, where even if you have no advertising experience, you can put together a really cool ad. Those didn't exist. So some of the real estate advertisements, um, they just really weren't that good. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we didn't we didn't have Canva back then, right? Like you no, no just changed the game for everyone who goes, I don't really know how to use Photoshop and Canva came around and said, "Oh, no problem, we can take care of that for you." And now um and now everyone can have cool-looking stuff uh without really a design background, but you're right back then y- you were really um on your own.
1: You were. You absolutely were. So um I loved being able to put my advertising and marketing background to work. Uh, PR was also um an area that I studied. And it was a perfect compliment to, to the real estate industry.
0: Yeah. It makes, makes so much sense. And, um, I would love to hear about, you know, being that, uh, that you're, that you're from that, you know, from the Boston area, you, you guys service all of Massachusetts, Massachusetts, we should say. Um, I have been as far West as Which is not very far west, as far west as Worcester. That is that is as far. uh, But I know Massachusetts has got a lot more than just Boston uh, in it. Uh, But um, you guys cover so much ground, and your team. So tell us, tell us why you decided to build a team. And I always think this is interesting because, and um, and the reason I'm I'm asking is there's so many agents right now who are either solo practitioners. Or maybe they're already on a team and they're either thinking, I want to join another team, maybe this team isn't the right fit, or they're not on a team thinking, I either want to build my own team or I want to join an established one. I'm curious on on why you decided to build a team.
1: So the reason that I was driven to, to grow and build a team is that I know my strengths, my strengths are in marketing, they're in advertising, they're in sales, but they're not in so many other different areas. And I think that as realtors, as brokers, right now we are not just being called on to go in, open the door, and show the features and benefits of a property, but um, you know we're asked to be the financial analyst and. Really, really diving deep into to all the trends, where the price point's been, mapping it out across the board. Um, so finance side, operations. Um, when we work with new development clients, we're partnering with groups that are doing visualizations. So it, it's not as if a photographer can come in and just take photos, um, but we have members on our teams that specialize in all these different areas. And my skills, that, that that's not where I'm best utilized. And, and why I like a team and how we build our team is not just oh you're going to sell in downtown Boston, you're going to sell in Beacon Hill, but what are the strengths and attributes that you can build, and how can we all be stronger together?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, so the way that you have your team is are predominantly are, are people are, are agents on your team? Um, do are, are they do they have different roles, or how, how does your team structure?
1: Sure. So it does differ project to project, home to home, but I'll give an example. So right now we are in the process of bringing a beautiful, beautiful $6 million plus property to market. It is located in um, Newton, Mass., which is directly outside of Boston, one of the yeah. premier suburbs. It's also abutting um, a beautiful golf course, and it is in the pre-construction stage. So when we even when we pitch the developer, we're bringing in our team members who specialize in the visualizations. We are bringing in our um, team members who have different speak different languages than I do. So we have Mandarin Cantonese speaking um, specialists. We're bringing in our finance team, and then we're saying, okay, so I am going to be the one who shows the property ninety nine percent of the time, but you know, Catherine is going to be helping in working with our visualization team, which is out of Vancouver. And interestingly, the team that we're working with this time is out of Poland, right? So we're we're really global here, Um, but no one person can manage all this and do it really, really well.
0: Right, it takes a village. It Um, does. Yeah. what
1: uh... What I've recognized, and even in the last year, is sometimes, you know, the question will be on a pitch is, well, you know, I know that you have a big team. Are you going to be the only one? And what my response is is, you know, I, I will show your home ninety nine percent of the time. But but my team, we are all stronger together than we are apart. And they, uh, I'll just say, you know, I, I certainly can't speak Mandarin and Cantonese. I cannot get behind the firewall on WeChat marketing homes. So you know, we're really we're giving the benefits of um, of all of our team members and explaining why why we work together. And you know, the CEO of a company, he's not doing every single job, but for whatever reason our, our clients, they've were for a while expecting that realtors wear all these hats.
0: And I well t- teams are a relatively new phenomenon. So yeah. I guess a lot of people had the experience of I had somebody who's a realtor. they seemed it seemed like they did everything and and now we have to almost, resell our clients on this team-based structure? Because you're right, there's there's that fear that the client's gonna think I've become so big that I can't really give them the personalized attention that they think they deserve. They're gonna feel, uh, and, and you're right. So having that answer uh, ready and loaded, and of course, what you say makes perfect sense.
1: And it really is how we operate. You know, day in, day out, if you look at the projects that we take on, um, we're putting the best team in place for every project to market and sell it. And we do, um, I'd say probably 70% of our uh, business is on the list side and about 30% on the buyer side. But particularly how, on the, the list side, it is so, so important to have the right people in place because yeah. you know the social media, the brochures, the lifestyle videos, uh, writing up the narrative, this is not like one per- one person is not going to be the best fit for all of that i have a, so, my team and, and she, um, previously she wrote for Bravo. So when we have to write narratives and property descriptions,
0: she's the writer.
1: To, yeah, I can yeah. write a description. It's not going to be as good as what Jen can write. That's the reality of it. So yeah. I know what my strengths are. And I think that my job as a team lead is really to understand the strengths that my team members bring and to utilize them appropriately.
0: such a great answer. And it's such an important answer. And, um, what what i what I think is because I, I really want to get to this idea of luxury and and luxury and working developments because I was in a i was having i was at a breakfast uh, with our local association a couple of days ago a couple hundred agents in the room, mostly younger agents not younger so much in age, although some of them were, but certainly younger or newer to the business and the whole um, we had some speakers, some top uh, realtors here in chicago who were talking about luxury. Uh, luxury um, rentals in this case. And uh, the room was packed and standing room only because everybody who isn't in luxury, who's new to the business goes, I want to be in luxury. Um, Can we dispel some myths about being in luxury? In other words, what I want to make sure our audience uh, understands is what it's really like to be in, in to be a luxury agent to work in that space, um, and it you know while it's something that I think a lot of people aspire to, I don't think it's the right fit for a lot of agents. Would you agree?
1: I would agree. And to me, luxury, it's not about a dollar amount. It's not about wealth, but it's about living a lifestyle that you feel uniquely abundant in. So when we're marketing a property, whether it's a luxury property or a $500,000 property, we are giving all of our clients the same white glove service because I think that they deserve it.
0: Yeah. it. it, it I absolutely uh, believe that treating, you know, each eight, each client uh, the same, giving them a luxury experience, not only will, of course, net you referrals and repeat business, but also will... Uh, attract the eye of the luxury buyers and sellers too, right? Because that's what they're expecting and looking for from an agent. And, and also, I, I want to also real uh, ask you about competition, because obviously there's a tremendous number of agents in not only just the Boston area, but in the whole state. And um, of course you're in competition. I'm sure a lot of times with, particularly with listings, you do 70% of your business are listings. I'm curious how often are you up against a multiple uh, sort of uh, interview ex- uh, sort of experience where they're interviewing you know several different teams is is that a common is that common for you and if 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 it is um how do you go about distinguishing yourself from some of the other really amazing teams in your area
1: sure so i think that my personal business about 70% of it right now is either repeat clients or referrals and Thankfully, it's not necessarily an interview. They want to take the time to make sure that they they get to know me, they understand the process, but usually there's not somebody we're competing with. Um, When we do, really, once again, I I think that Cutter Lux Living, utilizing all of our team members' best strengths and creating the best team is, nobody else is doing that here in Boston right now. So we have people who are, the team members are they have the same role, right? So they're going to go in and they both go and the photographer comes and they're both there and uh, they both go and they do the showing because honestly, you know, team member A and team member B, they both feel that they should be there. So, but when I started to restructure and and rebrand Cutter Lux Living, I looked at the way how we used to do things. And I thought, how can we improve upon it? Uh, So right now, I, if I'm there meeting a photographer, I do not want another member of my team to be there. I want them to be working on visualizations, doing an analysis, making phone calls. It just, it, it, it doesn't behoove anyone. So that's how, what I see right now in the Boston marketplace is um, most of the teams, they're still operating almost as one unit, but there's two, three people and fine, like you're brand new and you want to shadow. And of course that's appropriate to do so. But um, I, I really spent a lot of time this past year thinking long and hard about um, just the utilization of time and, and how we can make sure that we have time for ourselves and our self-care and our family so that then we can give back and, and really give 200% to our clients. Because at the level um, that I was operating at, you know, we did 150 transactions last year, not all sales, some rentals, but um, it's impossible to to do all that and, you know, have an amazing family life and um, you know see your friends and, and, and enjoy hobbies and all those things are really really important um, so just trying to, to do things a little differently this year
0: I think it makes so much sense you're right there are so many teams that currently exist that are really just a bunch of individual agents that get together and right. they keep doing their individual business and 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 I'm not here to say there's anything wrong with that not of at course all. that's perfectly lovely and
1: yeah. I, I it, it worked it did.
0: But I really think, you know, what you said is so important. I think as a as a society, I think, you know, we used to think things like multitasking worked and, and being a jack of all trades worked. Yeah. And then the science is now more available to everyone that is really, really clear that it does not work as effectively. If you try to do everything, well, there's just a lot of things you're not going to be good at. And you had talked about, Hey, I'm, I'm a marketing person. I'm a branding. I'm, a, I'm an ad, ad person. I know that side of it. I don't, I'm not a visualizations person. I, you know, and I, there's certain you, you're I appreciate awesome. At it.
1: I understand it, but you know, yeah. my time is not best spent doing that.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I almost think, how did you end up determining what was the best use of your time? Because I know right now that we have a lot of listeners who do everything themselves and are trying to figure out, hmm, I'm not on a team or a team structured like yours. How might somebody go about thinking, okay, maybe this part of this segment of my business isn't the best use of my time and not what I'm best at?
1: Sure. So I think for a solo agent, the the best opportunity and, and the quickest would just be to outsource. So perhaps hiring on um, somebody to help with your marketing or administration. So start little by little and, uh, those opportunities are available to everyone. And then I'd say if you know you're a solo agent and you're looking to build a team, approach it as if you were building a business. You need a CEO, you need a CFO, you need a marketing person. you need someone who's going to help out with the public relations. Maybe maybe you just have three agents that all they do is sell and they sell really, really well. but if an event needs to be executed to promote the property, you recognize that that's not their skill set and you have team members that you can shift and, and actually into pay accordingly.
0: Yeah, it makes again makes so much sense. Um, I am curious right now, being that we're in a shifting market. Uh, in particular, we know uh, everyone listening, you know, pretty much everywhere in the country. Here, at least in the United States, we're dealing with, of course, raising rising interest rates. Uh, so buyers' price points are shifting. Um, oftentimes, not for the better. Uh, we have, of course, uh, inventory issues. Um, not as much on the market. And right now, I imagine um, there's just a lot of client management that has to be done, and expectation management, and m- helping somebody understand the turbulence of what's what's happening. I'm curious on how you think about having those conversations and what you're, you know, what you're doing, uh, you know, with your clients when there's the buyer clients for example which i know not isn't the primary part of your personal business but you know still something you have to service and what are how are you talking to clients about gosh guys there's just not much out right now um how are you educating your clients about the current conditions
1: sure. so when it comes to the buyer side um we are constantly speaking to the mortgage lenders the banks and saying What's as well as the listing agents, what's making a difference? Why is client A getting the home over client B? And the way that offers are presented now have changed significantly in the last 12 months and the last six months, there are new vehicles and tools available to certain mortgage lenders where rather than just having a pre-approval letter, you could submit an offer that's completely gone through the underwriting process. So that did not exist, at least um, here in Massachusetts, in the pre-COVID market. So it's pretty amazing when you just look and and really these banks and these brokerages, they're trying to figure out ways to make their clients shine and, and, and win homes. They know how important it is to them. So we do, we, we stay on, on top of our game and we're in contact with the mortgage brokers, with the banks. Um, sometimes we've even asked, not sometimes, across the board, if we know that our clients are in a competitive situation right now, where when we're submitting the offer, we're submitting a letter from the mortgage broker that is explaining, you know, client A has already gone completely through um, our underwriting process, their funds are strong, they're putting down less, um, or or they have more means than they're even putting down. So if something happens and there's an appraisal gap, so what an appraisal gap is, right, is if if a home right now is selling for a million, but the comps in the area really only support an $800,000 sale, then when a bank appraiser comes in, he might only appraise it for $800,000. So it's now up to the buyer to cover that difference. So we're assuring the sellers that our clients are able to do that. Yeah, appraisal
0: gap coverage is huge right now. Very, very common.
1: Absolutely. And, and we're, we're setting the expectation um, for the buyers that this is what you need to do. And right now we are in a market that in the hot suburbs, unfortunately, you're waiving the inspection. And that's a little scary. Uh, if you don't have any knowledge, you're not a contractor. I'm not. I go into a home and I don't know what's in working order and what's not. Of course, if I turn on the light and it doesn't turn on, I know it's broken. But, you know, what's going on between the walls? So. You know what? An open house is actually the perfect opportunity if you would like to bring in an inspector, your uncle. Ah, that's brilliant! I never thought. Whatever of that. it may be, there's nothing wrong with doing that. At least not here in Massachusetts. I'm sure every market is different. So I have seen in in our clients, our team members have physically brought inspectors. They've paid them for the day. Hey, we're going to go to yeah. five open houses today. Please come with us. You know, note if there's if there's anything major, right? If it's um. No one's going to nickel and dime right now, but but is this home structurally sound? Do I know what I'm getting into? Those are all really really important questions for a buyer to ask, and they have the right to know that.
0: That's a really great question, boy. I have we have done almost 400 episodes. Nobody has ever given that specific tip, and I want to just say it again for anyone that might have uh, not heard it, which was so so smart. Which is if you are in a situation where you're having to waive the the appraisal or the inspection. you can, if there's an open house opportunity, uh, you can just bring someone with you. Do you ever get pushback from the listing agent or or is the listing agent in, or, or whoever's running the open house maybe yeah. not even aware? Do you sort of do it on the quiet yeah. or? I
1: think that they are aware. It's It's not something that's hidden. Um, i know if we're on the other side we welcome it and if i'm on the listing side it's not that i have a problem with an inspection i want a buyer to go in with their eyes wide open but the problem is is that if you have six seven plus offers sometimes 20 offers to wait the day or two for the inspector to come in to get the inspection report some of those buyers they're going to find other places you've already lost them so it really comes down to timing uh, the sellers just want to move fast they want to know if it's Priced appropriately in the suburbs right now that if they go to market on a Friday and they do open houses Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they'll have an accepted offer, you know, early in the week and they can they can make their next move, they can figure out where they're going next.
0: It's really interesting. Um, Now, what happens in in a situation, and when I say what happens, I'm saying how do you, um, I would think a big fear as an agent would be when you aren't able to bring an inspector or an appraiser to an open house, maybe there just isn't an open house opportunity and you're not able to, to get someone in there to really look, but you do have to make that concession on uh, on the offer because you're competing with other people that have already made that concession. So at, if that com- does that ever come up? And if so, how would you talk to the client? Because now the client might have some additional fear about, gosh, now I'm really not gonna know what I'm getting into.
1: Sure, so maybe at that point, just go in with your eyes extremely wide open. If this is an older home, um, you know, look in the basement, look for signs of water damage, look for signs of termites for any kind of, you know, rodents, bugs, et cetera. Take pictures, open the bulkhead. Um, if it's a newer home, you know, constructed here in the last 10 years, I worry less about that. But once again, just go in with your eyes wide open and look less at the shiny fixtures, the lights, the appliances, but, but really the structure of the home. You want to make sure that the property that you're purchasing is structurally sound. And if it's not, that you have a good understanding of the cost that it's going to take to get it there.
0: Yeah. And I also think, too, I'm curious to get your thoughts that if you're a solo practitioner and you're not yet super familiar with what inspectors and appraisers actually look at structurally, go, go hang out with one for a day or spend some time with them or pay them for their time and say, hey, in case I can't get a hold of you or I need to just, you know, if I'm not able to bring you here somewhere, what are like 10 things I should be looking for every time I go into a home? And I imagine that would be a great little just series of things that every agent should learn.
1: Of course. Yeah. That's a good question. You know what? I'm going to call Lenny Licariot, be sure, and ask him. He's the best.
0: <laughs> there then you go. Right
1: now is um. you could, if you wanted to hire an inspector to go out with right. you for a few hours on a Saturday morning, they have time right now. It was yeah. interesting at the beginning of COVID, you could not book an inspector. They were just so booked. But now with everybody waiving the inspection, they are available. They would be more than happy to spend a morning, you know, an evening going to some open houses with a potential buyer
0: and i mean i would pay somebody 500 dollars yeah. for a few yeah. hours of their time to do that because it would it'll end up it'll end up just differentiating myself from all the other agents that exist i want to talk about balance because you had mentioned this earlier so we're going i want to change topics because so many of i'm I, you know i, I don't have uh, children I, I don't i, I have a, a, a girlfriend who lives with me but that's the extent of my the com- my complicated family life um but of course you have children you have a husband you have a career not only as an agent but as a as, as, an, as, as a managing broker as a team leader um, and then of course your own individual business. How do you, what, what do you do to stay balanced so that you're not burning the candle at both ends and, you know, being that you, you want to be there, of course, for your family and for your team and for your clients, how do you figure out how to, how to structure all of that?
1: Sure. So no one's perfect. And this is definitely an area that, that I, I I work at, I work at every single day. Um, but I, I do get up really early. I take time for myself in the morning. So I tend to rise about five o'clock and if I'm not going to work out, um, Pilates or yoga, then I'm just taking a nice walk in, in my neighborhood and clearing my head so that when my children get up and really start their day and they're running and they're crazy and they're active because they're nine and 11, then I have the, the energy and the mindset, um, to welcome that. Whereas if I was just waking up at the same time as them, um, I wouldn't have a, a chance to reset and refresh.
0: That's a good point. Um so you're like a big fan. For anyone listening, there's a great book that a lot of realtors have read called The Miracle Morning. It's not a specifically a real estate related book, but it is about how to take those first hour or so of the day for yourself and and uh and and do that before the chaos all all begins. Um I'm curious about boundaries. And when I mean boundaries, I don't mean personal boundaries, more about work boundaries. So for you, only because this question comes up so often, you know, if you get a text from a client late in the evening, do you have do you have special rules around, you know, if it's after a certain time, I, you know, I, I don't worry about it. Or are you a, hey, no matter, if I'm awake, I'm responding. You know, what are your thoughts about, about I client? Get, that-
1: I'll respond, but I also go to bed really early. And my team members know that. So sometimes if they're texting at 9 p.m., I might be up, but by 9.30, I'm asleep. And I'm up really early in the morning. I have a lot of responsibilities and I don't feel guilty about that.
0: No, and nor should you. I, I just think it can be very difficult for agents sometimes to feel like it's okay to tell their clients, Hey, I'm available from, you know, usually from this time to this time, if I'm up, I'll certainly respond after that. Sure. If I'm not first thing in the morning, but so many agents have a hard time setting those boundaries with their clients. Um, do you feel that that's appropriate to, uh, to set expectations early on with the client so that they're, so that their expectations are, are in alignment with what you're able to provide?
1: I do. And, and I know a lot of brokers that will say I'm available between X and X time. And if you set the, If you set the framework in the beginning, then I don't foresee any problems with a client. Yeah. That's what yeah, I, I could get better at. And I, I know some. sometimes people say like, oh, I respond to emails between X and X hours. I like the idea of it. Practically, I have not been able to find a way to make it work, but who knows? Maybe one day.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm i laughing because I have the same problem. I'm like, I know I shouldn't be checking my, my emails all day long. I know it's not good use of my time, but it's it's addictive and it, it feels good to immediately respond and to something. And I don't want to fall not...
1: behind. Like when I fall behind, yeah. that gets overwhelming.
0: <laughs> yeah. if i
1: can just keep up throughout the course of the day and it's okay
0: well i have a question i'm going to ask and then before you answer i want to um i have to do a a quick a sponsorship read but my question is about team members now and and i know you have a, a large team and when you think about adding a team member, I'm curious to know what qualities in somebody you're looking for. Not so much their skills, because obviously you're going to you you pick people with very specific skills. I'm more interested in qualities because I am sure so many agents want to work with your team, want to join your team. You guys are one of the most successful teams in all of Massachusetts. So I'm curious on what you look for because I think that'll help. And again, you're you're one team and there's millions of teams that look for different things, but I'm curious on qualities you look for in in somebody that you're considering to join your team. And I I think that will help our our audience understand what somebody at your level might be interested in. But before we do that, I want to take pause for a quick moment to talk about our our episode sponsor. It's one of my favorite companies out there in the real estate tech space, which is called Follow-Up Boss. And after interviewing hundreds of top realtors all over the country for this podcast, the CRM that is talked about by more of our guests than any other, believe it or not, it is Follow-Up boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time with less effort. And don't take my word for it, Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the United States for real estate uh, agents, uh, uses Follow Up Boss, and he has built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow Up Boss also integrates with 250 existing external systems. So if you're already using other pieces of technology for your real estate business, no problem. Follow Up Boss integrates with them. You the keep those tools too but here's the best part um follow up boss has seven day a week support we know real estate happens at nights and weekends right so they are available so you'll get the help you need when you need it get this follow-up boss is so sure that you're going to love their crm and for a limited time They are offering Keeping It Real podcast listeners a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everybody else. So, Oh, oh, and by the way, no credit card required. So they are so confident you're going to keep using their systems, and you will once you try it, that they're going to give you 30 free days, and then they're going to ask for payment if you want to keep going. But only if you visit the special link, which is followupboss.com forward slash real followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30 day trial, follow up like a boss with follow-up boss. And now back to our question. So when you're looking to expand your team, what qualities do you look for in an agent?
1: So first and foremost is character, because if I'm bringing somebody onto my team, then they are indirectly, but also directly, you know, linked to me. So that, that is the number one, um, trait that I am looking for in an agent. we want people who are go-getters and are going to go the extra mile, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty. It's not all what you see on Selling Sunset and the stiletto heels and walking around and pointing out the attributes of a condo. We've sold nine and a half million dollar condos. They're beautiful. That's great. But that probably is 1% of what we're doing on any given day. Um, so sometimes we're moving furniture and you uh, <laughs> might be moving furniture up the stairs. So it, it's, it's not all glitz and glam and uh, you have to work really, really hard. And be willing to, to put your time in. Um, also, our team, we are large right now, and it's extremely important to me that any new team member that we bring on um, has compatible, it really is compatible with our team, um, has complementary skill sets, isn't directly competing with anybody, and um, it, it's gonna fit in and feel welcome. So, something that we've done, um, in, this didn't exist initially, but now if anybody does wanna join our team and um, Initially, I'll I'll have a a conversation and if an interview, if you will. And if I think that the person would be a good fit for our team, our next step is that they come in and they attend one of our team meetings. So we meet at 11 o'clock every Wednesday on Newbury Street. It's the one time that I'm in the Boston office because otherwise I'm just running around home to home. um, showing and selling and, and everything else. So it's, it's a good opportunity. And, and we roundtable. it's really fun. Wednesday is my favorite day of the week. And, um, you know, first is just, you know, observe, see what's going on. Like, does this seem too crazy for you? Um, or is it like these people, I, I like them, they're, they're my tribe, you know, where do you feel? And then, um, after that the the team we as a team not just me but it's hey you know sarah came in and what does everybody think do, do we think that she'd be a fit and the fit goes two ways too right so if we feel you're a fit like you also have to feel that you're a fit and then we're taking it even a step further and until we formally onboard anyone we'll have a trial so Based on what's going on, if someone's traveling, maybe it's a little extended. If they're going to spend a lot of time with us, maybe it's a month. But that's an opportunity for you to come in to um, go to our events, shadow me or any of the team members on listings to, to help out and, and then feel like, is, is does this feel right for you? Because it's so important right now that um, the team members we're bringing in, we, we, need, we need the team to be strong. We're currently strong. And we just want to make sure that... If we're adding, it's the right person and it's the right fit. We're yeah, not adding on a team member just to get your your you know your ten million dollars in sales. That that's that's irrelevant.
0: It's irrelevant, and it doesn't help the team necessarily.
1: It doesn't. Do you have a skill that you can offer that we do not have? So when Catherine came in and she could speak Cantonese and Mandarin and she has an amazing background and she's posting things on WeChat, that's something that I can't contribute. But that alone would not have got Catherine on our team. The fact that she fit in and um, everybody felt very comfortable with her, that she was willing to do anything, like that's what got her hired.
0: Yeah, it's... everything you said just makes so much sense. And it's a really great education for our listeners who are thinking about approaching a team and saying, hey, I would like to to work with you. And I, I love this idea of, you know, once they sort of get the uh, initial, hey, we like this person, then it's like, okay, we're going to try, we're going to do a trial period. And that probably weeds out a lot of people as well, because there's just not as many uh, agents that are willing to do that, and I think that's a really smart way to make sure that you have somebody who's committed, serious, coachable, uh, because you're doing you're you're making sure that that those people best represent Lux Living.
1: And probably the final step too is if somebody's shadowed for a month plus, whatever we feel is appropriate, if um, I'll, I'll sit down with them and I'm not just asking them what their goals and expectations are, I'm asking them what the goals and expectations are for me and for the team because I do not want to be bringing anybody on that I'm not meeting their goals and expectations. And I think that that's a really important question that often is not asked. And I don't even know if the agents give it thought until you ask. Because if somebody yeah. if someone's expectation of me is that every morning, you know, we're gonna have a phone call for an hour and then we're gonna recap for an hour in the evening, I apologize, but I just don't have time for that right (laughs) now, right? Right? But if it's like once a week, we want to sit down, we want to do goal setting. Um, If they want the opportunity to shadow, great, I'll let you know. But but sometimes somebody might come in and, and they think in their head that their goals and expectations are going to be met by you as a team lead or by other team members. And I just want to be sure that we're all on the same page you know we take the professional photos we have the ads and all the publications the last thing i want is to put something out there and then somebody's you know no no longer a part of the team
0: sure and but i think you said something really also really important which is agents you can ask those team leaders hey here's what i'm looking to accomplish you know, can you help me get there as opposed to saying, here's why I'd be a great fit for your team, which of course you should say as well, but also say, here's what I'm looking for. And I'm really looking to accomplish this. Can you help? Uh, me do X, Y, and Z. And I imagine, you know, you get calls from from agents who are just looking for a lead source and are unable to do that on their own. And so they're like, well, if I join a team, I might get some leads. But until you understand what that person really needs, and you you might not be willing or able to, to do that, but a lot of times you're right. The agent doesn't say, here's what I need.
1: Right. There needs to be a fit.
0: I think that's really important is ask for what you need. And, and, you know, it's okay if the, uh, I mean, it's like, I am, we get these calls too because I I handle people who are interested in joining our firm and we get that, those questions a lot. I always say, what are you looking for? What do you want in a firm? And if the, immediately it's like, Oh, I, I really need a lot of leads. I'm like, we are not the right fit. I wish we, I wish we could do that, but the truth is we don't. And I'd rather, you know, that right now and then otherwise join us. And then you know photos, all of the all of the things, and then you're like, oh, that person isn't happy here, and they leave, or or we're not happy with them. Um, and I would love to talk. The last thing I want to talk about is something you said earlier, which is about your referral. Seventy um, percent of your your business is referral repeat, you know, a business. Um, what are you doing? I, this is what I'm always interested in after the sale. What are you and your team doing to stay in touch with, with clients? Maybe they just bought a home and you're like, this person, this is their forever home or "This, they're going to be there for a long time. Um, what are you doing to still stay, at least in the back of someone's mind, as they progress when they're not needing your services right away?
1: Sure. So for us, it's always relationship, not a transaction. So when the home has closed, um, we're still we're going to call, we're going to send cards. We do a weekly newsletter. And um, that's just an opportunity for us to be top of mind. And sometimes if a client purchases in downtown Boston, they might not know that we have two new listings coming on in Dennis on Cape Cod. But when they get our newsletter, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you service that. And you know what? My brother, he's thinking of buying a house on the Cape. Can you help him? So it's little things like that. Um, So some of it, it is just putting them on the newsletter list. And of course, if somebody wants to unsubscribe, it's their right to do so please by all means do, but most people say how much they enjoy it. Um, yeah. And just if, if you were calling them, you know, every day, you're not going to call them every day, but you know, maybe pick up the phone every few months. Or if you know that somebody really enjoys baseball when the season starts, say like, Oh my gosh, you going to in the baseball game. Like let, let's meet up. Um, just keep it real and, and don't be fake about it.
0: I think that's right. I think people can sniff out, uh, in authenticity um, or non-authenticity, I'm not sure uh, what's the proper way to say it. But but yes, I think being authentic and being um, gracious and and also thoughtful, like in your case, every week sending them what Brian Buffini would call an item of value.
1: They probably you know they're busy. They don't want to hear from you every week, but every now and then, oh, I've got a funny story. So yeah, go ahead. Um, we, we have a, a client who has become a friend. But when we were initially looking for properties, and she must have purchased in Beacon Hill about five years ago now, uh, we were touring some spectacular homes 456 million dollar plus. And for whatever reason in the back bay, a lot of the homes we went into, they were just staged a little funny. So there was this one that there was um, actual stuffed cats arranged on every bed with a cup ah. of um, fake milk in front of it. Oh no. So, so she was like, oh, my goodness, Haley, like, you got to get me out of this house now. Like, she just looked at me she's like, no, 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 no. And they also had creepy dolls. So to this day, if she goes into a gift shop and there's like a cat joke, like she'll take a picture and send it to me and I'll take a picture and send it to her. So it's just but that's authentic. That's real.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it is fu- it is funny. Uh, realtors get to sort of see how the other half lives sometimes too, okay. right? We're like, wow, that person painted a sky on their ceiling with clouds, and okay, you know, <laughs> or, or they Eight are in, really the into day. taxidermy. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, it was it was bizarre. Thank you.
0: <laughs> but but those those experiences really bind bound, uh, bind you to other people right because you share that sort of intimate funny experience and then it becomes totally. kind of a like a lifetime a lifelong joke right me
1: cat gifts too like it's not just me giving them to her she's giving them to me <laughs> the shared bond, well, commonality <laughs>
0: I, uh, I I think it's a great, great place to wrap up being authentic and 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 having fun with with your clients and just being being yourself. And and, and above all, you know, you demonstrate and your team demonstrates professionalism. And I think that is is at the end of the day what seals the deal, it keeps everyone um happy and wanting to work with you. Um, because I know there's a lot of people I really like and I'm connected to, but I don't trust their skill set. Right. And you guys do everything you're, you're, you're authentic you're a well-oiled team and you have really strong not just you but everyone on your team is really really skilled and i think um i think that's a, just an incredible combination obviously you're having incredible success as a result
1: Thank you, Max. we also have a lot of fun along the way.
0: Yes, yeah, I I get that as well. I totally uh, totally believe. But just even looking at some of the photos, everyone in your in your staff, you can tell when people smile just for team photos. But maybe not that way. You can see it in the photos. Your photos, everyone looks legitimately happy. And and you just said hanging out with everybody on Wednesdays in their team meeting. That's a really that's your most fun thing to do. So um you know boy it seems like a wonderful environment. I want to uh, to wrap up by saying if anyone out there, if any of our Our listeners have. Uh, have clients who maybe vacation out in, in Massachusetts, of course, take, God, there's lots of wonderful places on the East coast. Um, or if you have clients that are relocating to to Boston or anywhere in Massachusetts, uh, Haley and her team would love the opportunity to chat with you. Or if you just happen to be a listener and you're not a realtor, but you live in that in the in the, in the Massachusetts area, or if you're moving there, definitely check with, with Cutter Lux Living. They would love the opportunity to chat with you, see if you'd be a good fit um, and if they would be a good fit. And the best way to to reach them, obviously you can go right to their website, which is cutterlux.com. And that's Lux with an E at the end cutterlux.com with compass in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, and Haley is if anyone else is wants to reach out to you, is there a better way they should touch base?
1: Social Haley.cutter is my handle on Instagram as well as Facebook and, or Haley.cutter at gmail.com.
0: Wonderful, and we will have links to Haley's uh, Instagram and Facebook in our show notes. So if you're listening on a podcast app, just look in the show notes, and you can follow her on social and contact her that way. Haley, thank you so much. We are so grateful for your time. We know how busy. Oh my gosh, you guys are so busy, um, and you took the time to really help our audience improve their business, and we are so grateful for you for that. So on behalf of the audience, we say thank you. Um, on behalf of Haley and myself, this is actually Memorial Day weekend when we're recording. So Haley, uh, I want to uh, hope you. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. Also hope all of our audience enjoys the holiday. By the time most of you hear this, Memorial day would be long gone, but I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend and we will see everybody on the next episode. Oh, one last thing, please tell a friend about this episode. Think of one other agent that in your office that, you know, that could benefit from hearing this great conversation with Haley, send them a link to it. Um, you know, there's a million ways to do that. So please let them know about our show. Haley, thank you so, so much. Thank and we so will see
1: having me. Thank you.
0: Oh, so grateful to have you. And we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks Haley.
1: Thank you. Bye, guys.